Hey, family, in this video, we're going to be talking about three consequences of not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how you and I can become more sensitive to him. But before we get into those points, let me first lay down a key point and then lay the foundation with Scripture. And for those who are joining me a little bit later in the live, make sure you go ahead and get your questions in because I'll be doing a live Q&A as well. But uh, the first thing I want to say is that here is the problem. Many people are sensitive towards the Holy Spirit and not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. Many people are sensitive towards the Holy Spirit and not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? A lot of people are sensitive towards him, meaning they get easily offended. They're, they're sensitive. They, they don't want the truth. They don't want to live holy. They don't want to be changed. They don't want to be different. So they're sensitive towards him, meaning that when he pricks them or is knocking at the door of their heart, let him know that salvation there or, they, or he's already inside their heart trying to get more access to the air, other areas in their heart, people are sensitive towards him, meaning that I, I'm easily offended. I don't want to change, etc. Now, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit means that I'm submitted to him, that I'm willing to be led by him. So you have to ask yourself, what side of the spectrum are you on? Are you sensitive towards him, meaning that you don't really want to change or you easily offended by him willing to change your life? Or are you sensitive to him? Now, let's get to some scriptures to lay the foundation of who the Holy Spirit is and who he is to us. The word of God also says that he's a comforter. I didn't put that here, but Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led, meaning that the byproduct or the fruit that you are a child of God is that you're willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Either you're dead toward the Spirit of God or you're led by the Spirit of God. And the goal is to be fed, to be led. And when you think about that, you will begin to examine your sonship to see if you're even being led by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So key, you have to ask of what spirit have I uh, received? Have I received the whole spirit? or the Holy Spirit. Do we have a spirit that has holes in it? We don't really understand the full concept of the Holy Spirit, but we got a, a counterfeit spirit that we have been entertaining, uh, the Christianese version, the, the false Christian version, the Holy Spirit that, that is always moving, always making people roll on the floor, always making people shout, always making people scream, that Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit that pricks for conviction, the Holy Spirit that leads you into a particular direction. Right. But the spirit that we have received from God is the one that will help us understand things freely given. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us freely understand everything that comes with Christianity. And that's why you have to examine where you are with him. Give me one second. So that's what that scripture means. Ephesians 430 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit is the sealing of the believer until the day of redemption, meaning the day of being received uh, a rapture-wise or, or, or receiving to the kingdom of God in regards to glorified bodies in heaven. But it says, do not grieve him. Do not get in the way of him uh, uh, changing us. That When we grieve the Holy Spirit is when we're willfully going in a direction that he never intended. It's, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is too busy cleaning us to use us. That every time he cleans the air of our lives, we throw dirt right back in that same area. And so we got to examine, am I grieving him? 
by, by not being led by him? Am I grieving him by my sinful choices and decisions? Am I grieving him due to my negligence? Let's keep going. Now, we uh, think that's it. Uh, Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the spirit of God, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So even though we live by the spirit of God, the spirit of God has given us life. And we're beginning to see ourselves bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, faithfulness, justice, all that good stuff, patience, etc. But he's also saying in his text to keep in step with him. Are you where the Holy Spirit desires for you to be? Are you in step with him? Is he a year ahead of you? Or are you in step with him? Are you in the place that he has predestined for you to be in? So we have to keep in step. That means we have to be disciplined. That means we have to be uh, uh, engaged. That means we have to be submitted to not just only be living. I don't just want to be living. I want I want to be thriving. I don't just want to be living by the Spirit of God. I want to be thriving by the Spirit of God, keeping in step with Him. So my question for myself and for you is, are we in step with him? Are we at the exact place that he desired for us to be at this moment? If not, then we've been set up instead of being stepping up to make sure that we're in step with him. Now, let's get to defining what it means to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the opposite of being sensitive to him. And let's get some more key points. It says here, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit means having a heightened awareness and receptivity to the divine presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit in one's life, allowing for discernment, inspiration, and a deeper connection with God. So being sensitive to the Holy Spirit means having a heightened awareness, that I'm heightenedly aware of who he is. Like I know who he is, God, <laughs> God's spirit dwelling in me, that he's not just some third tier person of the Trinity. He is God, spirit in us. And when we understand that, we'll be able to say, okay, I have to make sure that I'm heightenedly aware, that I'm not allowing anything to be more high than where I need to be in regards to my heightened awareness. And it says not only just be heightened aware, where I know that he exists, that I believe that he's moving in my life, but I am receptive to the divine presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I am receptive to his presence. That means there's reverence. That I'm receptive, that knowing that God's presence is with me, in me, around me, so I cannot allow sin to be in me or around me. I'm reverential of who he is. That's his divine presence and his guidance. That I have to be slow, still, keenly aware of his guidance, that, that I have to make sure I remove all the noises in my life to ensure that I hear his voice in my life and to be guided by him. It says allowing for discernment. That means allowing it, that your life is not so busy that you disallow, that you that you don't allow the, the, the discerning essence of the Holy Spirit to give you keenly insight of whether this person should be in your life, whether you should pursue this career or not, that you are allowing discernment to be developed. Also, inspiration. One of the greatest times that I have in my life throughout my day is creative, inspirational time with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired these notes. The Holy Spirit inspires those books. The Holy Spirit is still inspiring. <laughs> God breathe. God breathe through you, through your artistry, through your creativity, through your ingenuity, through your entrepreneurship, through your uh, developing of a home. He wants to give you inspiration of how to gain more connection to your spouse and, and how to allow him to be the dominant force in your house. That's what he wants. And it says, ultimately, in a deeper connection with God. 
The Holy Spirit wants to take you to the deep things, the deep craft out to the deep. The Holy Spirit wants you to understand the deep things of God so that you won't be shallow. Now, the opposite of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit can be described as being spiritually insensitive, disrespectful, not caring, not, not, not even acknowledging or disconnected from the divine presence. The, for instance, this phone right here is an iPhone, right? And it's connected to T-Mobile. Now, if I don't pay the payment, do those, do those, does those bars go away? No, those bars are still there. Just because I'm not connected doesn't mean there's no service. God still has service, even though that we're not connected to him, that we live, move, and have our being. So the bars are still there. But if I don't embrace the payment that was paid by Jesus when he walked on these pavements, and I, didn't and I don't receive that payment to take care of my sins and to submit my life so that I can win for him to be glorified, then my friend, I won't be able to tap in to what the Holy Spirit wants to do within and without outside of me to be able to change those around me. So a lot of us are connected, but disconnected. That's why the Bible says it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. We're connected, but because we're not tapped in, because we're distracted, we're disconnected because we're trying to pay our own way through life. It said this may involve a lack of awareness, a failure to discern spiritual guidance, or a state of spiritual indifference or apathy, meaning that you've gotten to a, a place in your walk with God where you're stagnant, where you in a place where you dwell, where you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in, in, in a thriving way for you. Now, here are some of the consequences. Not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit can have several consequences, but here are three. Number one, missed guidance. If you're taking notes, missed guidance. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to provide guidance and wisdom. I'll stop there. The Holy Spirit knows exactly where to take you. He knows exactly how to get you to a place of generational wealth. He knows how to get you to a place of complete health. He knows what to do and how to do it to get you to the place to do it at a high level. Whether it's being a husband or wife, a parent or whatever it is, he is able to show you the right path. But when we are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we suffer the consequences of missed guidance. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to provide guidance and wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to do something that was the accurate way of doing it. It's wisdom, being able to see the deeper reason by which you should do something. It says, if you're not sensitive to his leading, you may miss out on important decisions, opportunities, or insights that could have been beneficial in your life. How many benefits or beneficial situations have we missed out on because we're not submitted to the Holy Spirit's guidance? It says here, uh, if you're not sensitive to this leading, you may miss out on important decisions. Important decisions. How many of us made decisions without allowing him to be the one making the decision? How many of us just made decisions, married the wrong one, dated the wrong one, lived with the wrong one, chose the wrong job, chose the wrong career without seeking the Holy Spirit? It says also opportunities. How many of us missed great opportunities? One thing about the Holy Spirit, he's not going to just open his mouth to be wasting breath. Not to be wasting time. He's gonna let you do what you want to do. If you're not gonna listen, then he then he'll go he'll go silent. And how many of us missed great opportunities for success? Great opportunities to win souls or insights. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. See, we are limited by sight, but the Holy Spirit has insight. When we see somebody or when someone's on our sight 
or and in our sight, meaning they're in our sight visually and on our sight physically, we are limited by our, our sense of sight. Discernment is giving the Holy Spirit the, 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 the wherewithal to be able to see it all, to see if we should go at all. So the Holy Spirit is able to look inside of a person and let you know this person is not for you. He's going to be able to look inside of that young lady and be like, this young lady ain't for you. That young man is not for you. This career is not for you. I have insight. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is not only does he have insight, but he's on site to future sites. Right now, he is all consuming. He is omniscient. He, he knows everything. Right now, he knows my life five years up the road, and he's already covered everything five years behind the road. And right now, he's in sync with my step GPS and God's positional system, systematically placing me where I need to be right now to avoid traffic, to avoid accidents, etc. So I have to trust the one who has insight, on-site, and also insight to future sites. So the Holy Spirit is already five years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, already on site, already getting the, the, uh, the uh, permits for the buildings on the site, already got things laid out for you. All you got to do is lay out before him, abandon, submit it, and allow him to lead you. So when you understand that, then you'll be able to say, okay, because the Holy Spirit is om omniscient and he knows everything, I don't want to miss any opportunities because the Holy Spirit has insight. He is the one that should be doing the interviews. I tell people all the time, <clears throat> excuse me, you must treat yourself like a Fortune 500 company. You have to treat yourself like a business. Jay-Z said, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Like, you got to treat yourself like a business. Now, I ain't trying to quote Jay-Z. I'm just quote, quoting poetic phrases uh, that Jay-Z said that, that was that's, that's true to this context. Now, I'm not implying that you go listen to Jay-Z, but it just played a, a key uh, uh, insight to what I'm discussing now, that, that I'm just not a businessman. I'm a business man. Like I got to treat myself like a business, Dan. See what I'm saying? So in a business, there's people that do interviews for you or interviews for the company. The Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to be doing interviews. Why does the Holy Spirit is the only one qualified for you to do interviews for you? Because the one who does the interview has to be the one that has an interview. He's the one that has the ability to have an interview of a person's heart, interview of a person's motives. He's the one that's able to tell you he's going to be with you for three years, but he's going to turn on you on year three. Oh, she's going to be your best friend, but she's going to turn on you in two and a half years. And we get so confused because we're so desperate to have friendship and desperate to have a relationship that we allow anyone on our ship. We allow anyone to be with us, and the Holy Spirit is telling you this person seems good, but they're not good long term. People change. Have you ever been in a relationship or a friendship with a person where the relationship was going good for two and a half years, and then all of a sudden, at the end of that two and a half years, that person turned on you? Do you know demons allow themselves to be ticking time bombs in people who are only placed in your life to be suicidal bombers to blow up your life? People that only come into your life and the demon says, we're only going to be here for three years and then we're going to switch up on you. Do you not know that demons have systematic plans against you as well to put people of hell, to bring hell into your life? That's why you got to allow the Holy Spirit to do the interview. Let's keep going. Spiritual stagnation number two. Lack of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit can lead to spiritual stagnation. 
You may find it challenging to grow in your faith, develop a deep relationship with God and experience spiritual transformation. So if you're stagnant right now and you haven't read your Bible in a while, do you know you can still be stagnant with the spirit of God, even though you're doing things on behalf of the spirit of God or quote unquote on behalf? How many preachers are preaching every week, but the Holy Spirit is not even in them? They preach every week, but they're spiritually weak every week. They're weekend by the week's end experience. And all of a sudden now uh, the people in their congregants are, are, are lost and stagnant themselves. They got big churches, but small Christians, they feed, they're secret sensitive. They feed the people who ain't even trying to be God's people. And they spend all these millions of dollars of marketing to reach the lost, but never teach them to be found. And the people who are really converted by the spirit of God are starving and starving in the pews, dying due, due to spiritual malnourishment because the pastor only wants to feed the babes in the Christ, the babes of Christ. It happens all the time. But also with us, we got to examine, are we spiritually stagnant? Lack of sense of the Holy Spirit can lead to spiritual stagnation. You may find it challenging to grow. We have to get to a place where growing in God gets smoother, gets easier, gets more exciting. Develop uh, uh, challenging to grow in your faith, develop a deep relationship with God, and experience spiritual transformation. You cannot experience, we cannot experience spiritual transformation if we're in spiritual stagnation. Number three, another consequence of not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is increased self reliance. Without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, individuals may rely more on their own understanding and human wisdom. This self-reliance can lead to decisions that are not aligned with God's will and may result in unintended consequences. How many of us, we like, we, we see, not praying and not reading our Bibles are signs of arrogance. Any person that doesn't pray, they're operating in arrogance instead of acknowledgement. Arrogance means I don't need to talk to you about this, God. I have to talk to God about everything. Now, I ain't talking about going to the bathroom, brushing teeth, or what the or or whatever. I'm talking about moves, decisions. What should I do? I'm ahead of a household. I can't go. I can't go an hour and a half without talking to God. I can't go thirty minutes without talking to Him. That's the goal we got to get to. Where we're like, man, I can't rely on myself. The Bible says the heart is deceitful, desperately sick. No man knows it. And so you can't rely, I can't rely on myself. That's why I'm desperate. That's why I told my students the other day, I said, man, until you realize how desperately or how, how deeply evil you are, you won't be desperately connected to God. You must see yourself as evil. What I mean by evil, hear me as we navigate, you must be fully aware that you ain't there. You must be fully aware that you will compare. You must be fully aware that you're gonna, you're, you're, you can't be trusted. Because when you start trusting yourself, you start rusting yourself. And so when you begin to realize, yo, I'm evil, fam. I can't trust me. I can't trust, like, I'm evil. And what I mean by evil, people be thinking, oh, well, I ain't a murderer. I ain't this. But do you know that Jesus went a step further? Oh, I ain't slept with nobody. But Jesus said, man, if you lust for a woman in your heart, You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. He says, man, even though you may not have murdered your brother, but if you harbor hatred in your heart, you've already murdered him. Right now, if I go downstairs, I have all the ingredients to make pancakes. 
I have the pancake batter, I have the, the oil, I have the eggs, I have the milk. I have all the ingredients to make pancakes. Even though I don't intend to make pancakes, I have in my house all the ingredients to make pancakes. The same is with lust, hatred, anything that we may deem that we're not evil enough to do. Just because you're not doing it doesn't mean you don't have the ingredients to do it. Just because you haven't made it happen doesn't mean you don't have the ingredients to make it happen. And so when you realize your heart harbors ingredients that could potentially create hatred enough to cause murder or lust enough to cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband or to go into deep, dark levels of promiscuity, then my friend, you, you don't know yourself enough. You got to say, Holy Spirit, don't just clean out my, 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 the, the, the idea, but in, in, uh, get rid of the ingredients. So you can't rely on yourself. Now, here are three common uh, uh, things that causes us to get to these places of consequence. Number one, distractions. This is what leads us to these consequences. Number one, distractions. Modern life is filled with distractions from technology to busy schedules which can make it difficult for believers to quiet their minds and focus on spiritual matters, hindering their sensitivity to the spirit. Distractions. Everybody who has iPhones yesterday got their screen time results, right? And, and it said hours per day, right? And it's crazy how we gave this device hours of our lives, but uh, the dust is on our Bibles. And I tell people, don't get mad if your life is as dusty as your Bible is. See, a worn, torn Bible reveals a life of a person intact. A clean, dusty, not open Bible is evident of a person whose life is in shambles. So our life by design, the devil designed it for our lives to be busy. He designed for entrepreneurs, busy people, professionals to be busy in life so they won't be connected to the matters of life or what matters to life from technology to be scheduled, which can make it difficult. We make it difficult. We allow these things to our lives without discipline, without proper management, and they become difficult. It says it makes it difficult for believers to quiet their minds. Can you put this phone away an hour before you go to bed? And reflect on the goodness of God and, and or spend time to creatively engage God or use this as a tool for God. And it says uh, believers to quiet their minds and focus on spiritual matter. Do you know we are spiritual beings? If you focus more on physical, emotional or mental matters, then my friend, you're going to end up messing your life up. You have to focus on spiritual matters. We are spiritual beings first. Let's keep going for time's sake. Number two, sin, obvious, unconfessed sin and a lifestyle contrary to the teachings of the faith can create barrier or a barrier between a believer and the Holy Spirit, making it challenging to discern his guidance. It's hard to be guided out of a bed if the Holy Spirit is not the head. It's going to be very hard for you to be guided out of that guy's bed or to be guided out of that woman's bed if the Holy Spirit is not the head of your life. It's going to be very hard for you to get out of certain situations if the Holy Spirit is not the one leading your life. So if you have sin in your life that you have yet to confess, unconfessed sins is evidence of arrogance. Again, if I don't confess the sin, it means I love the sin more than I love to win. Which one do you love more or most? Do you love to sin or do you love to win? 
Do you love winning in marriage, winning at parenting, winning at entrepreneurship, winning at business, winning at all things holistically? Winning in every area at the same time. Do you know you can win at marriage, win at parenting, win in entrepreneurship, win, win in your career, win in the, as a as a holy man, as a holy woman, all at the same time. But you can't win in every area, all in the same area, if the Holy Spirit is not entered in or allowed to be in every area. As the one leading you out of those little traps that's inside of your heart. So what sins must you confess right now? Or what lifestyles are you living that's contrary to what the Holy Spirit or how he wants you to live? It says, making it challenging to discern his guidance. Number three, lack of spiritual discipline. Neglecting practices such as prayer, meditation, and studying scripture can hinder one's ability to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as these are essential for nurturing a spiritual connection. Let's break that down. Life is about practice. Yes, we're talking about practice. Your level of practice will determine your level of performance. What you do in the off season will determine how well you perform in the postseason. The reason why many of us are not winning championships every year in our marriage or championships with our children every year or championships in the marketplace every year is because we're not maximizing the off season. We're not maximizing the practice. See, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. When I practice spiritual disciplines, I am, I'm making these things a permanent marker in my life to the point to where no matter where I go, that's who I am. The color black marker cannot be color red. It is what it is. And so when you begin to understand practice and spiritual disciplines, that life is not about going to these worship experience, but we should be going to worship applications, applying the word of God, making them a part of our lives. And it says, it, it, neglecting practice such as prayer. Prayer must be a practice. Prayer, just like I practice communication with my wife, I practice communication with my daughter, I practice communication right now. It's a practice. You can't wait till it comes. You got to go do it and pray to God without ceasing. It's therapeutic. It's part of venting. It's a part of healing. Meditation. There's a big difference between meditating on scripture and studying scripture. Oftentimes, many people, they study the word, but they don't meditate the word. So they study the ingredients, but they don't use the ingredients to, to marinate. Mm. See, we study the ingredients, but we don't allow the ingredients to marinate. Meaning, most preachers, they'll study God's word. They know how to exegete God's word. They know how to expound God's word. They know how to explain God's word. They know how to entertain God's word or use it as entertainment, right? But they don't meditate on it themselves. Meditation means I sit in a scripture. We need to stop. We need to do study and sitting. Study the scriptures so we'll understand what we're believing. Because a lot of us are great debaters, but there's hater, there's haters in our debaters. Right? But when you study the word of God, not to just throw the word of God, but to study so that you can know. But what's the point of just knowing scripture, but not flowing in scripture? I don't just want to know scripture. I want to flow in scripture. And you can't flow in scripture if you're not sitting in it. And so when you marinate you know, or meditate on the word of God, you're sitting on that verse all day. I chew on this word day and night. I hide this word in my heart. I marinated. So what happens when you're marinating chicken? 
If you want flavorful chicken or flavorful whatever it is that you make it, you put that thing in the refrigerator and let it marinate in the ingredients. Because chicken outside of marinade is just bland. But chicken in the marinade is no longer identified as chicken alone. If chicken is marinating in teriyaki uh, marinade, it's no longer just chicken. It's name change. It's essence change. It's no longer chicken. What is it? Teriyaki chicken. You lemon pepper on your wings or whatever it is that you do. When you let it sit in the ingredient, it changes. It changes the identity. You're no longer doubtful, Debbie. You're now determined, Debbie. You're not just a hateful Heather. Now you're hopeful, Heather. You're no longer lustful, Larry. Man, you're loving, Larry. Because you've been marinating in love. You've been marinating in hope. You've been marinating in joy. Now your identity changes. So we just can't just study the word of God. We got to sit in it. Not just, if you, listen, if you put chicken in it and marinate for two seconds, it ain't going to do nothing. You got to sit that thing overnight. <laughs> I meditate on your word day and night. I sit in you day and night. I sit in your ingredients of the word of God day and night. So when people taste and see, they'll know I've been seasoned. <laughs> Let's go for time sakes. So we answer some questions. Now, to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, here are some points we must remember. How to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, spelling the word how. Number one, we must H, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Don't be self-reliant. Be divine guided. Divinely guided. Humility is a key factor in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge your need. There we go. It says, acknowledge your need for divine guidance and submit your will to God's. Pride can hinder your receptivity. So you have to realize you don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. The one who, who lives as if they know nothing receives most things. An ant can teach me. A mosquito can teach me. A tree can teach me. The kids in my school teach me like, like, like I got to be submitted. I got to be humble and be like, I acknowledge that I need your help, God. You got to look in your closet and be like, what are all these ingredients that could potentially cause me to create and bake stuff that I would take from my life? You got to humble. We got to humble ourselves. Number two, we got to open our hearts, create a receptive and open heart to the Holy Spirit through prayer. Prayer is a form, a sign of humility. Either you humble yourself to pray or you're going to be humiliated to pray. <laughs> Either you humble yourself and pray or you're going to be humbled to pray. I'd rather humble myself and pray before I'm humiliated and now I want to run to God and pray. How many of us, we only pray when there's humiliation coming? We only pray because we've been humbled to pray, because our body is weak, our minds or whatever, because our pride put us in those places. Our pride put us in places where we ate too much. Our pride put us in our places where we thought too much. Our pride put us in our places where we lusted and loved and sex too much. Our pride put us there. And then when our pride took us to places that then garners the consequences, now we want to go pray. After the demons have put their fangs in you and their, and their teeth in you and you have become their prey, now you want to pray? It's too late to pray. The five foolish virgins, they didn't have enough oil in their lamps. The five wise did. The five wise were saying, hey, I can't let you borrow my charger. 
My phone is on 90%, but I'm not gonna let you borrow my charger. How many of us have been in situations where our phone was on 7% and we don't have a charger and we still got seven hours ahead of us before we get home to charge? That's a bad place to be in. But how many of us are like that? We don't have enough oil in our lamps. We don't have enough uh, 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 sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in us that will cause us to endure until the bridegroom comes. It says, create a receptive and open heart to the Holy Spirit through prayer, meditation, and worship. Clear away distractions and be open to receiving the Spirit's guidance. Number three, wait patiently. The W, H, humble yourself. O, open our hearts or humble ourselves. H, open our hearts. O, W, wait patience. Sometimes since the Holy Spirit requires patience. Be still and wait for his guidance. We're so eager. Like we want guidance, but we don't trust him in the silence. Listen, sometimes the silence is guidance. Sometimes silence just means be still. Do you know guidance is also uh, not guiding? <laughs> Do you know guidance is not guiding? That maybe not a time for God to guide. Maybe it's just time for us to sit by his side so that he can remove all the stuff from the inside. Sometimes guidance is not guidance. We want, we always want to go somewhere. We door to explorers. <laughs> we just, and we door to explorers and we find ourselves exploring at doors that we shouldn't even been at. We got to get to a place where say, like, I don't mind sitting still. I'll wait patiently for the one. I'll wait patiently for the opportunity. I'll wait patiently. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to see how you handle the silence. If you can't handle the silence, then you ain't going to allow him to be the guidance. We have to learn how to rejoice in silence in order for us to be patient and for us not to be that nagging person in the car that says, are we there yet? Because if you can't handle the silence, then my friend, you ain't going to be able to endure the guidance. So sometimes sensitivity to the Holy Spirit requires patience. Be still and wait for us. God. If you don't know, don't go. I tell you all the time, if you don't know, well, should I date him? If Do you know yet? Have you heard from God? No, I haven't. Then don't. Oh, but she's beautiful. I want to date her. Have you heard from God? No, then don't go. I rather go. I rather don't go to even go slow. Don't even go slow. If you don't know, don't slow. Don't go slow and don't go until you know. Rushing or being in a hurry can make it difficult to discern the spirit's leading. How many of us were so eager we rushed into something and in and, 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 and us rushing in it, it ruined some things in our lives? So I hope those points were a benefit to you. I pray that it was a blessing to you. I pray that you got something from it. I want to give you some resources and tools that I think will be a benefit to you. Like my book, Multi-Purpose, will be a great resource for you to be able to understand God's purpose for your life in every area so that you can have poise and patience and be able to allow the Holy Spirit to fill every area of your heart. I have a whole chapter on the Holy Spirit in that book. Also, this book also has components of the Holy Spirit in it, counterfeit a counterpart. It teaches you how the Holy Spirit it teaches you how to test things. It teaches you how the Holy Spirit confirms things in your life. And so that book would be a great resource for you. And I think those two are the main resources that I think will be a blessing to you. And if you need a little bit of help in this area, you want some coaching and you need some uh, uh, some support, we'll be starting our next group coaching programs in next month or so. So make sure you go to my website and learn more about my mindset programs, purpose programs. And we're going to talk a lot about a lot about spiritual growth and the Holy Spirit to help us to set the spiritual foundation we need to be able to dominate in every area that we've been called to. Now, let's ask some questions. And let's go. DJ Cobra says, Coach, how do you give God your anxiety? You got to anchor yourself in him. 
Giving God your anxiety is becoming aware that God is there. It's becoming aware that God cares. See, the less we know about God, the more anxious we are. So I want you to get you the paper right now. I want you to write down everything you're anxious about. Everything you're anxious about. And then I want you to start doing a deep dive study about the attributes of God. The more of the attributes you know about God, specifically in the areas that you have anxiety, you will begin to be familiar with the one that will anchor you, even in the midst of those situations. So we're anxious because we don't have uh, an awareness. We don't have uh, 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 we don't have awareness and we don't take time to acknowledge. See, anxiety is evident that I've been doing something for too long. I've been trying to do it on my own. There are some areas of pride potentially. So I want you to take a deep dive study on the attributes of God in the areas where you have anxiety. So if you have anxiety about whatever, whatever, I want you to look up 10 to 20 attributes and find verses of attributes that are particularly in your situation so that you can become more familiar about who God is. And then you got to practice giving that anxiety to him and how you practice that practically. Number one, you have to vent often. You have to talk to God. Prayer is therapeutic. Talking to God is therapeutic. Venting to God is therapeutic. Don't be going to God trying to be all deep and philosophical and holy. Go to God real. He's a person. Your realness won't hurt his feelings. So go to God real. Like, God, I ain't feeling this. Talk to him. Cry. Weep. I go on drives. My wife don't know. Sometimes I go, I'm saying I'm going to the grocery store. I'm, I'm looping around the neighborhood. The big, I mean, a, a big loop around my house. Praying and crying to God, like, God, I need you. And all of a sudden, by the time I pull into that uh, driveway, the anxiety's off my shoulders. Secondly, you got to begin to look at your life and ask yourself, what things on my plate did I put on there that God did not put on there? See, life is not about going to buffets. Life is about going to high-end restaurants. See, when you go to high-end restaurants, the chef determines what's on your plate. When you cheapen your life and you go to buffets, then you determine what's on your plate. Based upon the level of your dining will determine if you're going to be fine. And so if you're over there going to buffets, the buffets of life, and you're putting more things on your plate because you have the clearance to go and do it for your own sake and for your own self versus going to high-end dining experiences with God where the chef determines what's on your plate. Because if you're putting too much on your plate, then you're putting too much weight on yourself and it's causing anxiety. And so you have to understand, number one, that you're God's beloved. You also got to understand that God is who he says he is. And he says, be anxious for nothing. That's a command. The word of God says, be anxious for nothing. Number one, that's a command. He says, don't be anxious about anything. I, I am the only one, God is saying, who's able to tell you not to be anxious about anything because I'm the anchor of everything. How can I tell you not to be anxious about anything if I'm not the anchor of everything? I'm the anchor of everything in your life. If your hope is more in this, then my friend, you're going to miss, right? He says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, by, uh, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So when you talk to God, the best way to alleviate anxiety is to talk to God about how you feel. This is how I feel. But God, I am so thankful that you gave me life. I'm thankful that you did this X, Y, and Z in my life. It says, with thanksgiving. Make your request known. The issue is we get anxious because we start doing things on our own because when we place the order on God.com and God didn't deliver it like Amazon Prime and we're hoping that we have it on prime time, now we in our own feelings and now we out there start doing our own dealings and now we in situations where we never should have been in versus when we make our petitions and prayer requests known to God with Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving gives you perspective. 
Then after perspective, the Bible says, then the peace of God. The peace of God is your confirmation that God heard. Even though God may never deliver, deliver certain things, I'm just glad that he hears everything. So when I'm confident going in, knowing that God hears, and I know that he has what's best for me, and I know that he's good, then no matter what I'm asking for, I'm reflecting more on what I'm thankful for that then neutralizes the deep, dark needs of what I'm asking for, giving me perspective that opens up the peace of God that will guard my heart and mind by Christ Jesus. The peace got to surpass all understanding. Do you know God's peace will cause you or surpass all understanding that even though your situation may not change, he's the one helping you stand under that situation with strength. The word of God is not just cute, cuddly sayings. These are principles to live by. Number one, be anxious for nothing. Number one, you got to be aware of God so you'll be a, 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 in a place to understand why you shouldn't be anxious because God's the anchor of everything. Go to him with prayer and supplication, but mix it with thanksgiving to give you the perspective you need and then receive the peace of God knowing that God heard you, and then you'll find yourself supernaturally being sustained during the mundane or the disdain or the things that you are, are causing pain. Janine, God bless you. Good to see you. Good evening to you too. Georgia says, what's up, Coach Josh? It's Georgia out of Fort Worth, Texas. I've just found my purpose and my audience. I want to represent. I'm so glad you took that activity, my friend. I'm so glad you did the work. Now you found your purpose. Now the thing about purpose is revealed in stages. You found uh, some of the entry level components of your purpose, right? And you found your audience. It says, I want to represent, but how do I let go and let God take control of me developing my purpose? You are in partnership, my friend. Then let your partner do what he do. <laughs> you learn to let go of situations by realizing that favor is worth more than funds or uh, funds or finances. Favor is worth more than money. Like when you allow God to make a crooked path straight, you would just do what he told you to do. And so you got to let go by realizing unplugging from these false motivational streams of inspiration. People that's telling you to go hard and don't sleep and don't do this. Listen, I go to bed. I used to be the type of entrepreneur or guy in ministry where I'd be up all night. I go to bed, man. I go to bed because I'm in partnership with God. I just sharp. What you do right now is focus on mastery. Just master your craft. Just be consistent. Just keep putting out content. Just keep mastering your, your gift of speech. Just keep studying. All I do right now, I let God do the guiding. I let God do the opening of the doors. I let God do all that stuff while I focus on mastering the gift. <clears throat> when I master the gift and I give my gift to the master, then the gift that I've been given to the master that I've already mastered, then it makes room for me. God takes my gift that I've mastered, and as I plaster it all over social media, then it opens doors for me, gives me op opportunities to eat from bigger pastures. That's how God rolls, my friend. Let God handle all that external opening door business. And all you do is master your business. And then my friend, you'll see God opening doors you never thought he'll open before. Holy Spirit lets you know when something is off. He does. That's right, Natalie. He'll let you know immediately. The Holy Spirit is so quick. <laughs> no one, no demon, no person can beat the Holy Spirit. So when you're in front of something, boom, Holy Spirit like, nope. The issue is we, we try to silence that no, and we have silenced that no. 
in grievance. The Holy Spirit ain't been talking. The Holy Spirit ain't been speaking. It's like, man, what's the point of speaking in your life when you don't let me lead your life? He'll let you know quickly when something is off. And he'll let you know when quickly to, when something is to, to, uh, to go on with. Hey, Vanita, hope you're well. Andre, what's going on, family? Jody Summer says, is it possible for God to present your future spouse and you still have doubts about dating that person? Can you have confirmation and indecisiveness at the same time? Yes, my friend. Sometimes it's hard to comprehend what God brings in because now we're dealing with our own limiting beliefs. We're dealing with our own insecurities. We're dealing with our own areas. See, it may, been, it may have been God's will for you to meet your spouse. But it's not God's will for you to marry a spouse. See, in 2013, I met my wife. But I didn't marry my wife until 2018. Do the math. 13, oh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Five years. Do you know how much growth had to happen in both of us in those five years? See, there's something uh, about maturity in each phase. There's maturity that happens before you meet your spouse. There's maturity that happens when you date your spouse or court your spouse. And there's maturity that happens when you're married to them. So either way, maturity doesn't stop. So it may have been God's will for you to meet your spouse, but then there are certain things that the Holy Spirit says, it's not ready for y'all to marry. See, when you meet your spouse, you're not going to be perfect, but you'll be prepared. Big difference. But in that preparedness, that preparedness has to grow to a level of prominence for the next level. And even when you get married, I still can't date my wife off of the of the, 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 the riz that I did to riz her up when I met her. I got to have a new riz. <laughs> I got to be able to, 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 to be creative and, because my wife ain't the same woman that I met. And so when you meet your spouse, it's a reflection of 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 areas of maturity that happens when you meet a person and, and you're able to see them and you're able to engage with them and then you're able to marry them. So yeah, you're gonna have some doubts because of your own insecurities. I had doubts. I had insecurities. It wasn't because of her and it wasn't because of God. It was because of my own issues. I had to grow up. Can you have confirmation? Yeah, man. You're gonna be indecisive in marriage sometimes. I'm not talking about whether or not you're questioning that she's the one or not, but you're going to have a lot because you're dealing with humanness still. So God will present your wife and it may be God's time for you to meet her, but it may not be God's timing for you to marry her. because There's still some maturity and some things you have to see and grow in that happens when you meet a spouse. The Holy Spirit will just take you from meeting to marriage. You met her yesterday and you married tomorrow. There, there's something you learn about. There's certain things that burn off. As you as you're engaging with that significant other and towards marriage, there's a lot of things, a lot of conflict resolution training. There's a lot of empathy training. There's a lot of stuff that happens, and then marriage throws a bunch of monkey wrenches in there to test what you are. But then you grow into greater depths of who you are. Hope that. Andre says, I suggest get to know the person. Don't look at it as a pressure situation. If you are a good person, future wife will be your mirror. Good, good, good. Janine says, fire. Uh, Mary Lou says, look at God accidentally hit YouTube as I was plugging sell uh, his phone to charge. And looky here, Coach Ezzy in the house. We in the house. We in the building. On time Q&A as well. God bless you, brother. Good evening to all. Uh, came several minutes ago. We're glad to have you, my sister. Thank you for joining us. Andre says, if you got a good heart, look for a person with a good heart. Yep, but uh, you can't trust your heart. Let God pull y'all pull y'all together. Uh, but your know, good heart is true, man. If a person got a good heart, they got a good heart. What I mean by like they have a natural good heart. That's true. That's true. 
Andre says, well said, coach. Only God knows people's hearts and motives. That's, oh, y'all talking about the message I'm talking about. That's right, that's right. Okay, here are the questions now, okay? Mary Lou says, amen, whether they be saved or not, Holy Spirit knows best. I've received two marriage proposals two days apart, both men of God, but coming on way too strong. Holy Spirit, have your way. Yeah, listen, when a man comes on too strong, they're really weak. The matter of a man's strength is not in how fast and how quick he pursues. It's about how much he pursues the things of God. Like, like as he's pursuing God, you became a part of the pursuit and y'all both are pursuing God together. That's why we use these terms men of God so loosely. We don't know if they're men of God. You know a man or you know a woman by their fruit. And when a person comes on way too strong, that means they got strong uh, uh, urges. If you're coming on too strong, then you're not, then you're not content with your singleness. Any person who comes on to you too strong is a person that wants you wrong and won't have you long. Because the quicker they get to you, the quicker they'll lose you. The quicker they, the quicker they run to you, the quicker they'll run away from you. A person that pursue, a man that pursues you slow, that's the man you gotta look at. Cause that's the man that's really, that's really, really thinking things through, counting the costs. A man counts the costs to see if he can be a boss and to ensure that his family don't suffer much loss. This man ain't trying to floss. This man on the cross, <laughs> dying to himself daily, pursuing you slowly to consider the cause. Can I lead this type of woman? How you know a woman that you just met yesterday, you want to marry her tomorrow? That woman could be crazy. I'm talking about you, Mary Lou's. But I'm talking about people or women. There's a lot of women that's going too strong after these men. They're desperate. See, contentment helps you to determine what should have clearance. You have to be content. You have to say, God, I'm good with my singleness. If you're not good being single, then you ain't going to be happy married. If you're not content in your singleness, you're not going to be content in marriage because you're easily bored. Boredom can't thrive in a marriage. You can't get bored. Boredom leads to you being in boardrooms with uh, with the wrong people or, or boarding rooms <laughs> and, and being in rooms with people that ain't your spouse. You got to be content. You got to focus on building your house before you're pursuing a spouse. If your house ain't together, you and your spouse can't be together. And so if a man or woman is coming on you too strong, then they want you wrong. They want you for the wrong reasons. And they won't have you long. Because the quicker they get to you, the quicker they'll lose you. The quicker they get you, the quicker they'll be bored with you. And when they're bored with you, then they're going to walk off on you, walk all over you. And next thing you know, you'll be like, man, what happened to that same man? Did you ever been in a situation? All of us seen a situation, heard the situation where a man pursues a girl. Never, never entertain the horniness of a man. Hear me, hear me. Take, put your kids, take, take kids out. Tell kids stop watching right now. About to get real. Tell your kids, hey, go, go get your mama some water. Tell you, tell you, tell your son, go get mama some water. Coach about to go in. Ladies know when a guy is in women too, and men too, I mean, when a person desperately wants you, it's not this head that wants you. It's the other one. And what happens is, you ever seen a guy, you ladies know, they they're, they got strong urges for you. They're horny and they just want to be with you. They just want you. And then all of a sudden, after they done did what they did, all of a sudden they change to another man to the point where now they're talking about, oh, I got to go to work. I got to go read a book. I got to go to the store. They start making up excuses to leave you. To leave you. See, that type of man can't be your husband. A husband is a man that after he whatever whoop-de-whoop -whoop, is able to still stay in the coop-de-coop. -coop. 
He still, he now, he, now y'all spooning. Now y'all cuddling. Now he wants to breathe. Now y'all have a conversation. Now y'all talking. He's not up and leaving. He's in there cleaving. <laughs> see what I'm saying? And so when you see that, you can't trust strong urges. Because why are you so urgent? Because urgents, urgent urges leads to urgent, and urgent leads to urgencies, and urgencies leads to emergencies. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, Lord, the representative eventually abandoned ship. That's right. I got. I'm, I've been going a little bit too hard. It's pretty humid in, in Charlotte right now. <laughs> oh, I got some Gatorade. Hold on, I got some Gatorade. Let's get it right here. That Gator Light, bro. A rapid hydration, bro. Not a really well. I'm gonna say that. The best Gatorade is lemon lime. The lime one is always gonna be the best, but they handle no limes left. Orange are like the old school Gatorades. You ain't late. The party just getting started. Well, you're almost late. <laughs> I'm about to get up out of here in a minute. Newbie and Soldier says, hello, what is the best way to deal with the parent who doesn't take no for an answer? Every time I say no to my mom, she tells me everything she has done for me. I can never do. She's manipulative. She's not your mother. She's just the one that brought you. See, a mother is one who nurtures. That person on the parent, the Bible says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise. The Bible's not loose with words. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Everybody deserves some level of honor, but high honor goes to those who are honorable in the positions they hold. If she ain't acting like a mother, then she deserves your absence. Listen, just because she did all those things for you, she didn't do it for the right reasons because she's using them as manipulative too. So what you do, you give that parent your absence. What is the best way to deal with the parent who doesn't take no for answers is to give them your no and then go. Say no and go. People who cannot respect your presence is only deserving of your absence. People who don't understand or respect your no don't, don't deserve your yes. Anyone who doesn't respect your no doesn't deserve your yes. I don't care who they are. Or what they've done is not about what you did for me. It's about who you are and what you're doing to me now. Say no and go. It's going to hurt. But Jesus was out there doing ministry. One of his disciples came up to him and said, yo, Jesus, your mother and your brother is here. Now, theologians know that there was tension between Mary his brothers, his family, and him because they were embarrassed by him. This man done declared to a degree that he's the Messiah. And all of a sudden they was confused and, and, and it was uh, embarrassed because they got picked on possibly, talked about possibly, couldn't go to the stores quietly because of who he is. And Jesus says, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Except for these. Listen, it ain't about your blood. It's about the bloodshed. It's about the family. Sometimes you got if you got good blood family, great. But if they're not if they're not operating up under the blood and what the blood has redeemed them from, then my friend, you got to give them your no and you got to give them your go. It's going to hurt. But at the end of the day, do not allow people to be manipulative. You, you got to learn how to be attached, but detached. For instance, if I tie a rope to somebody and we're this close to each other, if they jump off a cliff, 
their weight is going to pull me off the cliff. The goal is not to cut the rope because you can't cut the rope on your mom. It's to lengthen the rope. I just got to give you a little bit of distance because you tugging me too much. And now when now when you tug, now you stepping on me like a rug. So we can't do that, my, my beloved. We can't do that. One thing I'm not going to do is become your rug and talk about welcome. <laughs> so you lifting the rope. Go missing if they don't listen. Hope they help. Study to show yourself approved. That's right. Hey, coach, hope you and your family are doing well. Do you have audio books? I need to start creating them. I need to. Let me know what books I need to make audio books. And once my life starts slowing down, because I, I, I done lost out on a lot of money not doing audio books. It ain't about the money, but it's about opportunity, you know, to pour into my family. You know what I'm saying? So I'm working on those audio books. Um, I just got to get the time and the resources to do it. And so if you guys want to help me, man, and support me in that, and you can do that on my website um, and just say, hey, man, coach, just for you to whatever, man, because I, I, I wouldn't say I need that much. I don't need much help. But it's like, hey, man, if you want to help me do it, we can make it happen. Uh, newbie says, and one more question. If it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Well, God show me who my husband is in a dream. If I've never seen him before, I don't get so caught up in dreams because demons can give dreams too. So I don't put too much stock on dreams. Focus on reality. Focus on your dreams. Because if you get so caught up on uh, believing that God will do this or potentially will, then you give you given the spiritual word clearance to just bring clearance through to your dream. All of a sudden, now you're like, Clarence? I never thought I'd marry Clarence. Oh, Clarence kind of cute. And you start making things. You can't go by signs. The Bible says a perverse and wicked generation look for signs. Signs will confuse you. You can't always go by signs. Don't, they don't mean God don't give signs. But if you live your life looking for signs, then demons will give you signs. Hope that. Study show yourself approved. The coaching courses are awesome. Ashley, what's going on? Please don't be afraid. Mindset coaching is pivot, pivotal to understanding yourself and purpose. God has feel like Ashley's been a part of my mindset program. You, Ashley, we got to do our, our testimonial. We got to do our video. We're going to do like a little podcast. And so, listen, she's already been through the program. Man, she's pursuing, she's done it, she's doing live, she's pursuing a purpose, she's mentally free, and she's flowing in that mental clearness. And so, man, check out my mindset program. Ashley just told y'all. Ashley said, listen, courses are awesome. Check out all the courses. My fulfillment course. I'll be releasing my website pretty soon. I'll probably release it this week. And you're going to see all the new programs, opportunities for you to be a part of Life Work, which is my group coaching program and community. And we're going to grow. My goal in life is to help you guys grow holistically for God's optimal use. I've also used the phrase, I believe John the Baptist said, is to present to the Lord a people prepared. I think it was Jesus, whoever said that. I took it from them. I want to present to the Lord a people prepared. And when I die and go and be in glory when I'm 80 some years old, I want to be able to say, God, I presented to you a people prepared. A lot of people, churches are so focused on revelation. I'm focused on application. I want to see you grow to the point where you don't even need me no more. You just need me for sharpening. You don't even need me for, for growing. You just need me for sharpening. That's all I want to get you guys to. Where I'll be like, man, Coach Josh, just keep me sharpened. That's where I want to get you guys to. So check out my programs on my website. You're not late. Hallelujah. His test work of patience. That's right. We are the co-pilots in this walk with the Lord. Amen. Mary Lou is helping me preach on today. 
Mary Lou said, I go to sleep. And of course, the non-believers of lukewarm folks in my life tried to antagonize and stir me out of my place of peace when I appear to them to be too at peace despite my storm. Yeah, people like to tear peace into pieces because they don't have their lives in peace. Amen, for sure. Confirmation, mic drop, Coach Ezzy dropping bars. God gets the glory for sure. Precious always says, what is your take on exes who want to stay in touch with you? Don't stay in touch with them. You are ex for a reason. See, you can't go to your next if you engage with your ex. You see what I'm saying? So if they want to stay in touch, they touching too much. Because now they start touching old areas in your life. They start touching, sending little messages that, that, that gets you all caught up in your feelings and then got you thinking that maybe he's a better man now or maybe she's a better woman now and, and maybe they love the Lord now. See, people, when they went to go see the grass was greener, on the other end, left you with your brown grass and left you in your field that wasn't tilled to go and feed off of fields that they thought was green. But when they bit off the green grass or ate off the green grass, they realized it was artificial turf. And now because they were superficial to go to the artificial, now they want to come to something that's official. And then now they want to come back and now make you artificial and superficial because they're not official. And under the ref with the whistle with the Holy Spirit, make sure they stay within the rules and guidelines of growth and growing in things of God. So what's the point of staying in touch with someone that didn't that stop touching? <laughs> Listen, because you don't want to be attached to people that's from the old. I'm talking about if they're old. I'm talking about if they're not even someone that's worth being in your life because of what you've experienced with them in life. And then they start, start uh, touching different areas of your past, causing you to be touched today. And then now you got to heal. You Didn't it take you, how, much, how long did it take you to heal from how they mistouched you before? Now you're free and I ain't going to let them touch your life again to now take much from your life again? It ain't worth it, my friend. Lord, one of my peeps in the world never takes my advice on these. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. They don't. They listen. They listen. When they out here, man, you can't trust them, man. Can people of the opposite sex be friends? Yeah, you can be friends, but maybe not close friends. Listen, you can be friends with anybody of the opposite sex if you're not attracted to them. If you ever thought about having sex, then you can't be friends with the opposite sex. <laughs> If anything sexual has ever come across your mind or that person is attractive enough to the point to where you you could think of possibly having sex with them and you can't be friends with them. Listen, you can't like, man, you can't be around uh, uh, something you're attracted to if you're not trying to be attached to. <laughs> so can y'all be friends? It can be done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making an extreme. It can be done, but it ain't done most of the time. Yeah, you could be friends with opposite sex if you're not attracted to them. And you may have attractive friends that you don't want them to do. Like, there are some attractive people that you may just simply see them as a brother or sister. So what I'm saying is you got to look at where you are. And you also got to position yourself for your future self, your future person. Like, you cannot be making too many friends of the opposite sex and then want what's next. Because you're going to end up having to get rid of them. <laughs> when you, your wife ain't going to, your husband going to go for that. If he's looking at Tyrone and Tyrone, you know, cute. You know what I'm saying? Your, your husband over there might man, that man, he cute. He cute. Or you or you, your man over there friend with Chelsea and Chelsea cute. And, and Chelsea look like you. Girl, pie, you ain't gonna let that slide. You ain't gonna let that fly. 
You ain't gonna let that girl around your guy. So yeah, can you be friends with sex? Of course you can. That's it's possible. It's possible. But man, if you attracted, man, you gotta be careful. Man, y'all got me all the way talking through it. Mary Lou's, I fell and backslid briefly years ago, and the demon manifested itself immediately and in the midst of it. I knew the Lord was not giving me the. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah. That's right. The Lord meant business. That's right, man. Urban says, How do I know my purpose and what season I'm in? Great question. Let me labor on this for a minute. How do I know my purpose? Uh, in order to know your purpose, you must know the person that gave you purpose. If not, my friend, you're not going to reach the surface of your purpose. So knowing your purpose is about knowing God. The more you know God, the more God will reveal your purpose to you. God is not going to reveal all of your purpose to you because you're not the person enough for the purpose stuff. You're not person enough. You're not mature enough to handle. Like God never told me I was going into the school systems. But the first group of people I reached was children, was kids, was high schoolers, middle schoolers. But I never thought in my wildest dream that God would have me in schools. I wasn't qualified to be in the schools. All I thought I was going to be an itinerant traveling preacher, evangel evangelism, or maybe one day pastor. But I never knew I was going to be in schools. But then all of a sudden, God revealed that schools were for me. When I met my wife, I would look at my wife and say, okay, how is this going to work? My wife was a teacher in schools, and, and she has all these great aspirations with children in schools and helping school systems. When I met her, I didn't even know that part of my purpose. But when that purpose was revealed to me, I was like, man, I see why you... God, you are, you are like, man, you're good. So purpose reveals things. So the more you know God and the more you walk with God, my friend, the more your purpose will be revealed. I'm talking about platform promotions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, your purpose is obvious. What do you have a strong passion for? Number one. What is Number two, what is one problem in this world that you want to solve? What are you naturally good at? You can do it in your sleep. You can do it wherever you're naturally good at. Those are your purpose pieces. Those are the things that you're going to use to execute purpose. I saw a quote the other day that says, purpose is not what you do. Purpose is uh, uh, what happens after you do what you do. So right now, as I'm fulfilling my purpose, all these questions I've answered is touching somebody's life. That's purpose. I've helped somebody. I've helped somebody uh, uh, avoid a counterfeit. I helped somebody find their purpose. I'm helping somebody. So my purpose of speech my purpose piece of speech, my purpose piece of, of developing sermons, my purpose piece of putting thoughts and ideas together, and my 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 those giftings are now used to create a purpose of helping people find their purpose, helping people have holistic success, how people not fall into mess. That's purpose. Now, what season you're in? Here are four things I want to give you about seasons. Eight things. Uh, four is under agricultural. Four is under, under athletics. Let's do agriculture first. These kind of paint a picture of what season you're in. You can get my book, uh, Multi-Purpose, or my book, Holdings Journal, and my book, Counterfeit Counterpart. Those books have those things in them as well. But fall represents, and right now we're in fall, where things fall apart or fall off of you. If you're in a season where things are just falling off of you, you're in fall. See, fall is one of the most beautiful seasons that covers what's really going on, which is death. Right now, when we see the trees go from green to orange to red to brown and eventually on the ground, that's dying. That's death. Leaves, the tree is, is releasing, is, is falling. 
Winter is when you're isolating, you're by yourself, and there's nothing but you and God in the cold. Winter is when the foundation or the soil is purified. So when you're when you're isolated in winter and no one's there, and it's just you and God, God is purifying the core of you. Because he can't purify the core of you if he connected to all these different people. Spring is when things are starting to bubble in your life. Spring is when things are beginning to spring into action. You start seeing fruit in your life. Now you're seeing strength in your life. And you start seeing yourself growing. Summer is where you're harvesting from the growth. Okay? Those kind of give insight what season you're in. So if you're in fall, that means things are falling apart. You're losing friends. You're losing opportunities. You're losing things. And it's confusing. Because you was just green yesterday. And now you're red today. And now everybody's surrounding you. Oh, you're beautiful. But you're really dying. Things are being removed. Winter is when it's just you and God, your friends done gone, your family done forsook you, or things just feel a little bit more isolated, or people still love you, but you're not as out there as much. You feel like God has pulled you to himself. He's purifying things. He wants to purify the soil so that you don't spoil when spring comes. Spring is when things are bubbling again. God is bringing in some good community, some good accountability. He's bringing in things that's, that's causing you to bear fruit now. Now you're growing. Summer is when you're harvesting, that you're profiting from growth. You're, you're profiting from your spiritual, mental, emotional, physical growth. You're profiting. You're growing. And, and people are eating from you. Right now, you could say that I'm in my summer season, right, to a degree. And sometimes you recycle. Just like seasons happen almost every year, oftentimes you recycle. Right now, people are harvesting from my gift. I'm harvesting from my gift, right? <clears throat> athletic or the athletics is off-season, pre-season, the season, post-season. Off-season means that God has you in a season of practice. God has in a season where you is just you in the gym. The points don't count. The jerseys ain't on. The stadiums are not full. It's just you and God getting shots up. If you're in a season where God is putting you in a place of mastery, then you master your craft. Preseason is when you're able to show what you've been working on. Preseason is where things don't really count. You really ain't started a church yet. You really ain't started a business yet. But but you're showing off your gifting some kind of way. Maybe you're on YouTube. Maybe you're writing your book some way, but you're not quite in season. In season is when the points count. In season is when, uh, look at marriage. Uh, off season, you're single. Pre-season, you're courting. In season, you're married. Post-season is, is when you every year you're winning championships. Your, your marriage is growing. In season is where things count. That's when things are serious. Post-season is where it gets tense. How bad do you want? To win a championship in your marriage how bad you want to win a championship in your parenting so i hope that gave you some insight i better go because i'm feeling myself i didn't answer a lot of questions let me just see if i could do rapid please audiobooks asap i'll do my best my friend correction the purpose god has for you okay uh ashley's helping me prophesy world war me should be an audiobook and facts over feelings yes ma'am oh thank y'all for letting me know facts over feelings audiobook oh man oh y'all been reading my books that's that's beautiful man so these will be saved, um, and I can always go back and look at them. <clears throat> World with me should be audio book and facts and feeling. Evening coach started this year learning to be single, but I got. Ash also says facts and feelings should be audio book, please. Oh man, y'all are blessing me on today. I'll work on it. Uh, Alicia says, Evening coach, how can I be a part of the mindset culture? I believe it will be the opening to a new beginning of my single life. Go to my website right now, Ashley. Alyssa, uh, uh, Alicia. My coach, let me post the link right now. Ashley done told y'all. Go on in there, check it out. 
You got to be willing to invest in yourself, though. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help you. Here's the link there. Yes, we're going to be starting in December so we can have a foundation going into the new year. Oh, yes, as he says, it's a good one for the audiobook as well. I'm about to, I'm, I'm going to have to work on this. Holy Spirit, I'm done. He told me to stop. Love you all. Oh, man, y'all blessing me. Did I hire an editor? In the beginning, I did. Now you with artificial intelligence. I let, I let AI edit my books for me. So you can go to uh, ChatGPT, type in your book. Listen, if you need help writing a book and you need help self-publishing, editing it, go to my website, message me. I also have a program that I do exclusively one-on-ones with people to help them get their books off the ground because uh, I've written 10 books. So I have all the uh, different things that you can do to make sure you get your book. Um, I'll even teach you how to publish your own book, be your own publisher, and, and create generational wealth. Uh, for yourself and your family through your gift that God has given you. Why give everybody else the bigger percentage and you get a smaller percentage? If God only asks for 10, why are we giving people 90? It's time for us to give. I'll give 10% for people to help me, but I'm going to keep my 90. <laughs> That's right. You're so welcome. Love you. I got to go. Uh, check out. Y'all know all my books. Um, Multi-purpose. Oh, wrong one. If you want to find your purpose, multi-purpose, I'm talking about all purposes. We don't just have one purpose. We have multiple. If you struggle with soul ties and strongholds, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, will be a great book for you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If you want to know the difference between a counterfeit and counterpart, this book, Counterfeit and Counterpart, will be a great book for you. It will teach you how God confirms. It will teach you how to discern. Uh, if you want to process uh, and learn and get over your feelings and find the facts, Facts on films be a great risk for you. Ashley, make sure you hit me up. Ashley, so we can talk about what happened another week. And so we can also do our video as well. I know y'all probably can't see me, but that's for Ashley. She's still watching. If you want to learn how to hold things in your life, the whole journey will be a great book for you. Also, card game. Oh, y'all check out my card game. Listen, the genius is in the card games, man. The whole spirit gave me some great card games. Check out the card games on my website as well. If you want to understand the purpose of your singleness, so you can understand the purpose of mingleness, this book right here, The Purpose of Singleness, will be a great, great resource for you. Dating prep, single, dating, or married. This book will be a great review. I don't help so many people get married to the right one because they had the right questions to ask. As he says, it's my children's book for kids, third, fourth grade and up. It's good for teenagers too. You know, the words, words are, are, are life-giving. So it's good uh, for everyone. As he says, it's a good book for children. If you struggle with spiritual warfare, the Buddhist book, World War Me, will be a great review. Also, check out my first book, Unplug. I got to get a graphic for it. Check that out. You're so welcome. Thank you for the in, uh, into the assistance with the writing of our books. Yes, Mary Lou's all those people who want uh, help with writing their books. Holla at your boy. Let me help you out. Two testimonial books that need to come ASAP. Which one are you talking about? What y'all talking about? Working on my 11th book. 11th book should be out sometime next year. I'm still... Um, I I started on one book, but I'm prayerfully considering another book that the Holy Spirit. I I, I, I wait till the Holy Spirit drops it in. Once he drops it in me, it's a wrap. But let me know in the comments, books that you like. Hey, man, Coach, here's some thoughts. Oh, you're talking about mine. Okay, yeah, I'll help you with your books. Ain't no problem. Hit me up. Love y'all. Gotta go. Y'all have a blessed one. Peace.